Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Pastor David Martins of South Africa. Uh, As often happens on this show, uh, because, uh, number one, we're trying to connect uh, with a country, uh, how many, 13,000 miles away? We're we're 13,000 miles apart using the Internet to connect to one another. And you probably just heard... uh, uh, we disconnected. Pastor Martins is trying to connect with his cell phone because we're having difficulty connecting. And uh, so uh, we'll try to get do the show. If I have to, I'll do it solo. But I'm just posting the uh, the link to the article we're covering. And uh, it's the Israelite uh, version of the uh, biography of Van Rensburg, and we're at chapter 20. I don't have any pagination uh, to go by on this document. Uh, so it's chapter 20, The Specter of Terror. So let me just see if uh, Pastor Martins is still with us. Are you with us, Pastor Martins? Okay, I'll try to call him again. I was connected on his cell phone. And uh, uh, that attempt uh, says connection is too weak. So let me try something here, folks. Uh, let me try connecting to his cell. He's traveling. He's traveling. And uh, so he's having to use his cell phone. Okay. All right. Are you there? Okay, it's it's showing a, a telephone, but not a, a signal. So I don't think we're going to be able to connect with South Africa today uh, since he doesn't have his computer and we're having to try to talk through his cell phone. So let's continue here with the story. And actually, I want to back up in this document to uh, just before Chapter 20, where the heading is the collapse of the Berlin Wall. And the author uh, is saying unrest also started growing in Russia during the early 1980s. The oppressed Russians and other nations who lived under communism revolted sporadically until that historic day in 1989 when the wall of shame dividing West and East Germany was torn down and people rejoiced throughout Europe. However, the festivities did not last long as uncontrolled masses of aliens streamed across the borders of Germany, emptying the treasury and unemployment became rife. Then suddenly Nazism, to the consternation of peace-seeking, of peace-seeking reared its head again over four, after 40 years. While he would probably want to call it neo-Nazism, it hasn't really 
become a political entity at all, you know, since World War II. So uh, that's, you know, that, of course, this is the author's personal analysis. But yeah, aliens, uh, we're talking, I think the author is talking about uh, East, East German um, communists, you know, because the East Germans did not give up their communism. In fact, what's their, uh, uh, Angela Merkel is one of those aliens, okay? So, and she eventually wound up being the Chancellor of Germany, which shows, uh, well, communism is alive and well in Germany. And so, uh, the point I want to make here is, uh, yeah, Pastor Martin is trying to call in, but it's just not working. The point I want to make here is that communism did not die with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. It became the New World Order, and the New World Order is communism dressed up in uh, a pinstripe suit, pretending to be a a global peace movement uh, through the United Nations. That is the reality of what happened in 1989, a whole uh, Gorbachev detente business is a fraud. Uh, the Soviet Union never collapsed. It simply changed tactics. And that tactic being, and the reason, one of the main reasons why the wall came down was because communism had already sufficiently been exported from the Soviet Union into the financial systems, into the colleges, into, uh, the uh, the religions, the Judeo-Christian religions, they're all teaching communism, and uh, it's called liberation theology. It's uh, it's the World Council of Churches, the National Council of Churches. I just did a show about that Friday night on Yahweh's Covenant People, talking about how the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches are nothing but communist fronts. So the change in tactics. Tactics amounts to this, that namely, uh, especially because they realized, the communists realized that the American people were not buying into communism. uh, Anything labeled communism has been rejected by the American people over and over and over again, in spite of the furious attempts by the, the Soviets and by uh, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers created the United Nations on a principle of marriage between communism and their version of capitalism, which is actually monopolism. So they realized that the communism has become a dirty word, and you'll never be able to sell communism to the American people because they know what communism is. So there's no way you're going to ram communism down the throats of the American people. So they decided to change tactics, and now it's called the New World Order, (laughs) or it's called liberalism, or it's called anti-fascism, okay? It's simply relabeling the old beast, making it look, you know, it's, it's it's putting lipstick on a pig. That's all it is. And even Gorbachev himself said, uh, our intention is not to stop communist propaganda and our intention is not to uh, abandon communism. We will continue you know, communist propaganda uh, f- from here on out. So the, the fall of the Berlin Wall is simply a false symbol. 
Communism did not end with the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was simply rebranded as New World Order, anti-fascism, and they're still teaching communism in the colleges, universities, now even high schools and grade schools, even in kindergartens, they're teaching communism. Uh, It's just called something else. It's called the welfare state. It's called socialism. It's called liberalism. But it's still communism, which is totalitarian dictatorship by the ruling class. The commissars. And it just so happens the, com- the history of communism has always been, it has been supported by the super rich. The Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, even Marshall Field, the, uh, the uh, mail order magnate in Chicago, he, uh, he was a supporter of communism. Why? Why do the super rich support communism? Because they don't believe in free enterprise. They believe in monopoly. And that their form of capitalism is, in fact, monopoly, and communism is government monopoly. So all they're doing is combining government monopoly with business monopoly, and they call it the New World Order. What did uh, Klaus Schwabstein say? He said, you will own nothing, and you will like it. Okay? You will own nothing, and you will like it. That's communism, folks. However... You will not like it. And the citizens of the Soviet Union never liked it either. So that's all there is to that. Don't be fooled by the change in terminology. Communism actually in America is more powerful than ever because the communists, via their Jewish college presidents and college uh, teachers, have been promoting communism since the 1950s. And it has only gotten worse since then. The the best thing American people can do is abandon the entire university system, eliminate publication, public education altogether, and then this uh, slide toward communism will finally be put to rest. Because the Communist Party has always required uh, funds from the big shot uh, monopolists around the world. And if they, they don't have anything to invest their money in, like the colleges, then the game is over, okay? But we know for sure, as the Uvalde, uh, Texas false flag proves, that they're not going to stop give, trying to take our guns away. And so in the last three weeks, two weeks, sorry, we've had three episodes of staged terrorism or the point of all of those uh, staged acts of terrorism is to take our guns away. And I think the American people, the, the true conservatives of America, have had their fill of these false flags. And they're, they're thinking, and I know some of these people, okay, they're waiting for the UN vehicles to come down the street to take over the country, and they're ready to give them lead. They are ready to give them lead. It's not going to work. Okay, but uh, we know that the Rothschilds are holding the invasion of America back as a last resort. They cannot show their hand yet. They're still not strong enough. They're still not strong enough to take over America. They've taken over Europe, lock, stock, and barrel. Every country in Europe has been socialized to the extent, and you can just see the swarms of illegal immigrants that are causing havoc in Europe, rape, murder, mayhem slavery, etc. 
And, of course, Biden is trying to do the same thing here. Fortunately, we have governors in Texas and Florida who are resisting that trend. And the more they resist, the better. Okay? So even though we have swarms uh, entering into America, there is a resistance to it, which there was no resistance at, at all in Europe to this influx of marauders, invaders from other countries into Europe. Because why? Because Europe has been programmed to the extent that every single country in Europe is socialistic, has lost, lost its connection to its biblical Anglo-Saxon roots. So, therefore, Europe was an easy prize. And now the only reason why they're having this conflict in uh, Ukraine is becoming more and more clear to me that the uh, Biden administration needs to have uh, to blame Putin for the high price of oil, right? For the high price of lithium, for the high price of grain, blah, blah, blah. And that's why they need to have this conflict keep going. So, and you know, the mass media and the entire Biden administration is blaming the high price of oil on Putin. But it wasn't Putin who shut down the pipeline from Canada to Iowa and South Dakota immediately upon taking office. That was Biden who did that, not Putin. So, folks, I mean, you cannot rely on anything mass media says. And so uh, I've been asserting that this war in Ukraine is being staged to get the people prepared. It's another divide-and-conquer strategy. And uh, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't take sides because neither side is in the right in this case, although Russia has every right to protect its territorial integrity by getting rid of the, uh, the the CIA sponsored bioweapons labs on the Russian border in Ukraine. They're absolutely justified in doing that. All right? But invading another country and risking World War III? No, this war is, is nothing but an excuse to, that the Federal Reserve and Joe Biden are making to blame high prices on. Of course, the real reason for the high prices is the Federal Reserve Bank, which is pouring out money like it's going out of style. And the prices will continue to rise despite their raising of interest rates because the real cause of inflation is money printing, money creation. has nothing to do with interest rates. Okay, so that's kind of an update (laughs) to where we're at right now. Okay, so uh, these skirmishes between Germans and aliens were but the opening salvos of the pending revolution, the pot of fire the old seer saw in Russia. Now, of course, uh, that uh, that pot of fire, uh, it, it could be uh, that the, the fact is that Putin did take over after the Berlin Wall fell, but he only got rid of a few Jewish oligarchs. What actually happened in the Soviet Union when it collapsed was the commissars, the, the communist commissars, simply who are Jews, simply became the owners rather than the managers of the factories in the Soviet Union, became the owners of them. And so it became a form of, again, even in China, we have a mix of communism and capitalism. 
But there's still way too many Jewish oligarchs in Russia, so I'm not counting on Putin. I'm not counting on Russia to uh, really be on our side. It's just another, it's just a continuation of the Cold War, folks. Only it's heating up a little bit, okay? So, uh, and and that's the pot of fire the old seers saw in Russia. So, uh, uh, the Cold War is just heating up a little bit. Uh, The burner isn't full blast yet. It may turn into a full blast global war. It certainly could become that. That's why we have to be prepared because shortages are coming, high prices are coming. Uh, you're not going to get medical supplies. You're not going to get food. This is what's coming, folks. Energy, the prices are going to continue to escalate. And the tribulation has just begun, folks. The tribulation has just begun. Sorry, all you rapture believers, you're not going to be raptured out of this. Tough luck. You should have listened to the Bible and not to these modernists with their new theories of the Bible. Okay, so let's continue here. The East Bloc countries on whose necks the yoke of communism had been chafing since 1917 also started calling for freedom and independence, and the fires of revolution were springing up everywhere. The West held its collective breath and waited for the Kremlin to quell this resistance with its usual show of force, as it had done in Hungary in 1956 and Czechoslovakia in 1968. However, this time it would not succeed, for Russia was bankrupt and faced the worst poverty and misery in its history. Therefore, it had no option but to exploit the West's greatest weakness, humanism, for its own benefit. Gorbachev, and actually this is pretty much in line with what I was saying, Gorbachev surprised the whole world by pulling back the Iron Curtain and extending a hand of friendship to President Ronald Reagan of America. And true to form, America, without thinking twice, embraced communism on behalf of the whole Western world. That's correct. That's actually what happened. A man emerges from the East. His watch chain sparkles in the sun. Another man emerges from the South and embraces the man from the East. Okay, so I'm not sure who this might be talking about Mandela, a man from the East, because uh, all of this stuff does affect South Africa. And so maybe we can revisit this passage uh, next week when we have a better connection with Pastor Martins to get his thinking on this. Anyway, chapter 20, The Specter of Terror. All right, I'm going to have to reload my connection to the uh, chat room. Uh, My uh, internet connection is really weak right now, so uh, it won't even connect. I had this problem Friday night as well that it wouldn't connect to the chat room. Although I had no problem uh, Friday, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday and this morning, uh, perfect connection. So there's something going on with uh, my internet service and probably Pastor Martin's internet service as well. So let's continue. We're, We're in a situation where everything is beginning to fall apart and Uh, Everything is becoming unreliable. (laughs) Everything is becoming unreliable. And it's it's not going to get any better, folks. The price of of gasoline is continuing to escalate and shortages ensue. Anyway, Chapter 20, The Specter of Terror. Humanity always yearns for something out of reach, particularly if it holds the promise of influential friends, status, 
wealth, or fame. In the same vein, Van Rensburg's peers would also have loved to say that they were friends, they're name-dropping, right? Or even acquaintances of leaders and well-loved national figures of that period, figures such as General Smuts, Barry Herzog, and the rebels Cous de la Rey, Christian de Wet, Christian Byers, Jan Kemp, and Harm Oost. There were others too, like Imker Hugenhout, Dr. Thielman Roos, and Dr. H.D. Van Bruckhusen. The seer never sought the friendship, status, or fame of these people. He looked past these attributes as though they did not exist, and merely accepted them as people. And with few exceptions, as with General Delaray, it was they who visited him at his, at his home. After his death, a newspaper reported that at times no less than ten vehicles were to be seen parked in Um Nicholas's yard. That's how many people went to seek his advice. However, not everyone who visited him really understood him or were interested in investigating his spiritual world. Many went there purely out of curiosity, just to hear what the old seer had to say, and when they did not understand him, his metaphorical speech and strange symbols, they left disappointed or angry. Yeah, they wanted answers, right? <laughs> Yet everyone who had some contact with the old seer had to admit that he was someone special and a real prophet, as ex-president P.W. Bosa so aptly expressed after a short meeting in 1924, quote, he was the one who was called, <laughs> unquote. However, the visions about the future of his people, which Van Rensburg saw, were not always meant for everybody's ears, okay? And sometimes, even if they're meant for the ears of Israelites, the Israelites don't want to hear it. But the next heading is, keep it secret. In the letter written by by Mr. Boy Musman to Mrs. S. M. Van Tonder of Heilbrunn in 1956, he writes that certain information disclosed to him by Van Rensburg was of such a nature that he would not convey it to all and sundry, because he was afraid of causing panic, and certain people would make life very difficult for him. As he put it, quote, I tell these things only to the most reliable people, and please keep it secret, otherwise it will be said that I am creating panic or give reasons for exacerbating it, unquote. Mrs. Van Tonder and her father, Mr. Borman, were his confidants, and Mr. Musman revealed some of these visions to them. In this manner, we get a clearer picture of the dark times, which will become reality when a big labor strike is launched at, in the distant future. The seer said in 1925, then when the strike begins, there will be big problems with the kafir, and coolies, that is, the blacks and the Asians. Besides the troubles overseas, racial conflict to, and dangers of civil wars, in connection with the Kafir and trouble, I saw women fleeing. They do not even have time to close their windows, and the curtains are blowing outwards. Well, this could be a reference to the non-white invasion of Europe and America, and of course, the South Africa has had that problem from the very beginning. That's because in South Africa, whites have always been outnumbered like seven or eight to one. So they've always had more difficulty with blacks and Asians and Indians and others than we have here in America. 
And they've had uh, tremendous difficulties because of being outnumbered. Quote, this big strike will ring in the war on the East Rand, and the situation in the East Cape will have deteriorated to such an extent that whites will flee from cities like Port Elizabeth and East London. According to the vision, some of them will join the Communist Party and take up arms against the Boers. Has this already happened? I'm not sure. Then when the Boers will go to Vereniging, which is to Union, will become unified again, the, the enemy is sitting tight in northern Transvaal and northern Free State, while southern Transvaal, Free State, and Cape march to Prieska to fetch arms. So I don't think this has happened yet. It sounds like this is a prediction of the future, which is yet to come, which is uh, going to be precipitated by all these world troubles as white people begin to wake up that they are being targeted for extermination by the international Jew and begin to resist. So that's inevitable, folks. That is inevitable. This is going to be a global war to the death between the white race and the Jews, the Edomites, and their allies. Then Um Klasi saw the place at Vereniging where the communists and English comrades went to lie low, become hollow like a well. They will be in critical condition. So uh, the communists and English, okay? Well, how are the English connected with communism? It's through the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds and Karl Marx. Karl Marx's home base was London for the longest time. That's where he issued his decrees. That's where he wrote much of his material. So he was there, there being protected by the Jews of England. So there's a, a direct connection between the English and communism and Karl Marx, etc. So the next heading is Johannes Gagiano, another name I am unfamiliar with. So I will have to do my best. Uh, can't still can't get into the chat room. So let's continue. In a letter I received from Mr. Johannes Gagiano in July 1993, he confirms this bloody conflict. Quote, You asked whether Elder C.A. Gagiano, who visited Van Rensburg with Dr. Rassau, was related to me. Yes, he was my grandfather. He was an elder of the NG Church at Delary, or at Delaray, for 25 years. I am intensely interested in the old prophets of our Lord Jesus, and I was extremely privileged to know a wonderful God-fearing man, namely Van Rensburg. He was a friend both of my late father and my grandfather. Quote, My father and grandfather were both on commando with Van Rensburg in 1914 under Commandant Van Vuren and General Kemp. Wherever they stopped to let the horses rest, Van Rensburg will tell father and grandfather of the problems in store for the Boer Nation. Quote, I still remember how often my grandfather told me that one day, when they stopped to let the horses rest, Van Rensburg lay down some distance from them, with his hat covering his face. Father and grandfather walked over to where he lay and wanted to know whether the Boer Nation would wage war again. Father said the old man lifted his hat slightly and replied, Old Kali, no, we won't wage war again, but they, Jan Smuts and his people, will do so. But then our troubles start with the Kafir. 
Yes, and that has turned out because the the Cape Dutch Afrikaners allied with the who are essentially communists. They created the ANC, as Pastor Martins has related numerous times, and they've been supported by the British communists under the Rothschilds. That's when the uh, the black. Uh, the black specter or the red blacks, <laughs> the red cow of black communism ap- appeared in, uh, in South Africa. And it will be our last white government before the final division. Okay, so this is definitely a prediction of the coming of the ANC government and the, the constant troubles that it will enable. Anybody in South Africa getting raptured out of the current troubles under the ANC? I don't think so. I also remember one morning in 1925, my father came in from outside and told my mother he had seen Um Nicholas hooded cart on its way to Um Hendrick, Grandpa Leroux's son, Commandant Leroux. Father watched the road, and when the cart returned, he said, now Van Rensburg is going to visit Grandpa Leroux. He took my hand and we walked to Grandpa Leroux's house. This old man was bedridden, ill with cancer. While we were strolling along, Father said Van Rensburg was on one of his vision trips. I did not understand what he meant when, he, when we arrived. Van Rensburg was in the room with Grandpa Leroux. I remember he quoted a lot from the Bible. He could become very excited, particularly when he spoke of the glories of heaven. Then he looked at Grandpa and said, Not so, Brother Gawi. Later, Van Rensburg stood up and said a prayer for Grandpa. Father and I walked out to his cart with him. I guess the Grandpa did not, Grandpa Leroux did not want to hear what uh, Van Rensburg had to say. And it's been true of uh, us Israelites not listening to our prophets and suffering the consequences of our deaf ears. So, let's continue here. All right, oh, okay. Uh, one more sentence here. This was the last time I saw Van Rensburg, the prophet of God. Only now do I understand what Father meant by Um Nicholas' vision trip, because Grandpa Leroux died two weeks later, and three months after that, Commandant Hendrik Leroux was struck and killed by lightning. Okay, next heading here. The Seer's Revelations Given to Dr. Rousseau. Dr. Servas Rousseau, at the time a church minister of Cape Town, was traveling in the company of an elder and a deacon to Wolmarenstadt to go and meet Van Rensburg. Dr. Rousseau did not believe in the Seer's visions, and if he was not a minister, Van Rensburg might not even have wanted to speak to him and his two church council members about the visions. However, he did so, and the old seer's prophetic revelation impressed him so much that he accurately wrote everything down. All right, so sometimes the uh, the skeptic is the best uh, and most objective keeper of the record, right? All right, so let's continue. A nation divided. Okay, sorry, one more uh, short sentence here before that next heading. In the year 1920, during my service in Cape Town, Dr. Rousseau wrote, quote, I was visiting my brother-in-law, Reverend Esterhusen, from Delarayville. A son of General Delaray and others started telling me about old Mr. Van Rensburg and his visions. 
with the result that I made a special trip in the company of Elder C.A. Gagliano and Deacon C.G. Vander Merwe. We spent the greatest part of the day with him and lunched with him. He asked me to say grace, adding, Please understand that I don't let just anyone say grace at my table, unquote. I, I then asked him, when then do, makes you, what then makes you to trust me? He then started telling me about his visions, unquote. All right, we'll get more information about that. So anyway, uh, Van Rensburg received the vision that this guy is okay, even though he was not a believer yet. So next heading, a nation divided. Look, Reverend Van Rensburg said during the midday meal, there is an immense chasm dividing our nation. Yeah, it's the division between the Cape Dutch Afrikaner and the Boer nation. And the Cape Dutch Afrikaner has created the ANC along with international communism in order to exterminate the Boer people. Plain and simple. But they can't do that effectively They have to brainwash the poor people first, just as they're trying to do to us Americans, trying to brainwash us uh, by uh, accepting socialism slash communism slash liberalism slash the welfare state, which we they know will bankrupt the white middle class. They know that's what's going to happen. And so they're content, at least for the time being, to uh, engage the slow death method until they're forced to use the military method. And folks, the Rothschilds are chomping at the bit to go into the military mode, but they can't do that as long as we Americans are armed to the teeth. They would be committing suicide. They still have to soften us up, and it's not going very well. It's one thing to soften up a bunch of and brainwash a bunch of college students. It's another to take our guns away. So let's continue. But it will be filled in so that we can go to each other and greet each other again. So let me uh, let me start this quotation again. There is an immense chasm dividing our nation, but it will be filled in so that we can go to each other and greet each other again. So yeah, there's a chasm between our own people. Israelites have been divided between left and right, uh, you know, uh, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, etc., etc. Whatever division uh, the Jews can possibly exploit, they will. Democrat versus Republican. The dogs did not even bark at you, he said last night. I already saw you coming. Okay, so this is the reason why Van Rensburg accepted uh, Dr. Rousseau in a vision he saw him as being a uh, an upright person, and the the dogs didn't even bark at him. So uh, that told uh, Van Rensburg, yeah, this guy's all right. He continued, I can see great troubles coming in Europe. They are like writhing snakes, particularly three large ones, black, brown, and yellow, posing a threat and ready to strike. The first two open their poisonous mouths widely and their tongues tremble, but are too confused to strike. Apparently, this is a prelude to World War II. The yellow snake is Germany, for it is wounded and floundering and writhing. Yeah, well, after World War I, Germany was blamed for the entirety of the war, 
and was taken uh, its industrial capacity, food, everything was taken from the German people. And and then you also know that the Weimar Republic uh, instituted a great period of moral degeneracy, which Germany had to recover from. So uh, Germany was reeling from that for many years until the advent of Hitler and his economic reforms. Okay, and then it says, but then it swallows the small ones one after another. So apparently what this is saying is that Germany under Hitler uh, was converting many of the uh, states of Europe who understood that uh, the perfidious Jew was the real enemy, and they all wanted to side with Hitler. But this could also be a a matter of uh, uh, Nazi invasion, of France and Belgium, etc. Let's see. Then it swims across a dam and also swallows the small snakes across the water. The, okay, so this is the invasion of France and Holland shortly after the outbreak of the war. So the, the water or dam must be a, a river, not an ocean. So we're probably talking the Danube and the Rhine rivers, things like that. Next heading, the blood flag. Sorry, I'm, I'm speculating on a lot of this stuff. Uh, uh, Van Rensburg. <laughs> now, Pastor Martins would certainly help clarify these issues. And so you know, we'll probably revisit the, some of these verses next week to get clarity. Anyway, the next section is blood flag. Quote, the Boers will take matters into their own hands and those who do not give way will be trampled to death. A great silence will prevail before the storm, which will be violent, but of short duration. A bucket of blood will fall over, our flag will be dipped in it, and this blood flag will then fly over a liberated nation. So apparently, this is going back to South Africa. So apparently this is after the Kafirs have taken over Africa, and uh, all kinds of tribulation ensues, which which tribulation is still going on today. But as we have read from previous verses, that this is eventually going to result in a unification movement of the Boer people. But that can't be possible, will not be possible, unless the Boer people separate themselves from the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and ditch the the Reformed Church altogether and all forms of Judeo-Christianity. And they might have to expel the Asians. Well, they can't really expel the blacks. There's just too many of them. But they certainly should be able to expel the Asians and the Indians and other nations that have come in to take advantage of the immense mineral wealth of South Africa. So let's that, that belongs to God's people, Israel, in the person of the Boer people. Okay? So... So this is actually good news. Well, it's bad news in the sense that a bucket of blood will be required to settle this situation. But the good news is that the Boer people will be victorious. They will be liberated. Dr. Rousseau continued, quote, He, Van Rensburg, then spoke a lot about withered maize fields, the farmers who will become impoverished. Uh, what about butchered, Right? because that has intervened since the creation of the ANC. White farmers have been being butchered time and time again, 
and uh, nothing is said about it in the Western press, the Jewish press. Famine, and we predicted that the more white farmers these blacks and communists kill, the sooner the famine will come because the international economy is collapsing and the gravy train of money from yeah, from Europe and America financing the ANC and uh, their fellow communists and the Freemasons and the Cape Dutch Afrikaners is going to dry up. Because that's the only thing that has ever kept communism running is money from the super capitalists, from the monopolists at the United Nations, those same monopolists controlling America and virtually all of Europe. So as uh, so this conflict in Ukraine may be their uh, Waterloo. It may be their Waterloo because it's going to cause prices to increase. So Biden is using this circumstance to blame Putin for the price increases. But what's going to stop the prices from increasing? It's not just the war. Prices were rising before this war, folks, thanks to Biden. Okay? It's out of control, and they can't get it back in control. That's what's happening right now. If they stop the war in Ukraine right now, that would not stop prices from escalating because that has to do with printing money and shortages. The more rare something becomes, the more expensive it gets. So you can see the price of oil and consumer goods continuing to rise. And I don't see anything can stop it, especially with the global shortages we're having ongoing at the moment. So let's continue. So anyway, uh, uh, let me start this. He, Van Rensburg, then spoke a lot about a withered maize, withered maize fields, the farmers who will become impoverished, famine, a butcher cutting out the fat only, that is what is due to the Boer people, and many other things which do not sound so strange now as they did then. I make no comment as I have always been skeptical about all his visions. Nonetheless, under the present circumstances here and abroad, they are strange, unquote. Dr. Rosso concluded his description of the visit to the seer. So these are the words of a skeptic, and he admits that, well, these things don't seem so strange anymore because much of this has come to pass. However, who could not have guessed that in the distant future, shortly before black government would take over in Parliament, the old Boer prophet would be in the news again, he even saw this in a vision. I will be newsworthy again, says Van Rensburg. Van Rensburg told Boy Musman in 1916, quote, A time will come when I will be very much in the news again. <laughs> yeah, here we are on Eurofolk Radio. During that time, I see we are still fighting amongst each other. Then suddenly, it will be over. And we will have a black government. Oh, my goodness. Then the last but most intense struggle will begin for the Afrikaner, by which Van Rensburg surely meant the Boer. During that time, the Boers, well, I can't say intense struggle for Afrikaners as well. Let me correct myself here, because the struggle is actually between the Boer and the Afrikaner, and the struggle is tough on both groups. Continuing here. 
During that time, the Boers will require a strong leader to show them the road ahead. It will be the task of an unknown spiritual leader who will have to unite the people and prepare them for the struggle at hand. Huh. Who might that be? The only possible person I know of who could fill that role at the present time is Pastor Martins. I don't see anybody else who understands the situation better than he does and who is actually trying to resolve the situation better than he is. So pray for Pastor Martins. If if this is the man that Van Rensburg saw, let it be. So he needs our prayers even more. Let's continue. I see the Afrikaner nation being the last to enter this thing and first to emerge with it is a black government. When we are out from under it, the others will still be sitting up there, that is Zimbabwe and Zambia, with it. Okay, yeah, so ultimately South Africa will rid itself, will get the monkey off its back, will rid itself of the ANC. Yahweh hastened the day. He also said these protectorates, Zimbabwe and Zambia, will be inaugurated with us, and one day we will clean up everything as far as the equator. That's the Sahara Desert, folks. All right? So this is really good news. Let it come to pass sooner than later. All right, so we've got the black government in power still, the ANC. We see that their government is so corrupt that it can't it can't even deliver electricity or internet service to the people of South Africa, okay? And uh, it's bound to collapse. Now, with the world economy collapsing as well, uh, primarily, well, the, who instituted the lockdown? Who caused all this backlog of ships from China being unable to deliver to ports around the world, especially to American ports? The uh, the shortage of computer chips, the shortages of food and oil. I mean, folks, civilization hangs in the balance as we speak. Your car may still be running, but if you can't get the computer chip for your uh, whatever, I guess it controls the uh, the, the distribution of uh, electricity to to the uh, spark, uh, spark chambers. If you can't, and that's what's happening too, the uh, big trucks that move the goods across America, they can't get, uh, they can't get new water pumps. They can't repair the water pumps when they, uh, when they fail. So all of this supply shortage is, it's like a house of cards collapsing in slow motion, folks, but we can see the house of cards is collapsing. So, Let's continue here. This is getting very, very interesting. Now, so Zimbabwe, of course, is Rhodesia. And there's still a lot of white farmers there, and it's the white farmers in Rhodesia that keep that country going. In fact, uh, the black leader of that country said, well, we have to protect our white farmers, otherwise our economy will collapse." Yeah, you're right about that. Thank you much. Zambia, I'm not sure of. Anyway, so... And then let me just repeat this last sentence because this is awesome. He also said these protectorates, Zimbabwe and Zambia, will be inaugurated with us 
and one day we will clean up everything as far as the equator. Praise Yahweh. The well-known journalist Bram Vizigi, who had a lengthy interview with the seer's son, Kali, during the 1960s, described in his own words this strange cleaning-up vision. Let's have a look. I see a train steaming ahead with difficulty through the Rhodesian bush. It is a long train, heavily loaded and filled with soldiers. Their uniforms are those of South African Defense Force. They speak Afrikaans and South African English. Pandemonium suddenly breaks loose. Shots are being fired into the bush. The train stops and soldiers take up positions alongside the train, which serves as protection. Unquote. Now, let me just interject here, folks, because the fact of the matter is that the United Nations, the CIA, the global banking institutions have always financed black African communism, have always financed these movements. With the collapse of the global economy, they will no longer be able to do so. And these blacks who have been fighting and killing whites with guns and ammunition supplied by the global elitists will no longer have that ammunition. It's going to poop out, so to speak. Like pieces in a jigsaw puzzle is the next heading. So I can see this trade and how they will actually have an easy time of overcoming the resistance as this train moves forward. Now, it's probably not a literal train because it's too easy to pry up the, the railroad tracks of a, you know, of a railroad line. But nevertheless, this so-called train will keep moving until the uh, whole of uh, Africa south of the equator is controlled by these forces. Praise Yahweh. Next heading. Like pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. Nicholas often spoke about the great and important events which will still have to take place before the Boer nation eventually united and became free. The following interpretations were given by the seer himself and also come from personal recollections of his contemporaries. A pamphlet distributed in 1940, uh, other old magazines and publications, as well as letters and notes by his intimate friends, Messrs. Boy Musman and Yus Hasbrook and other friends. Although he could not always understand or interpret everything he saw, he nevertheless knew that one day in the far future there would be drastic changes in his country. Here and there he tried to give as detailed an indication of, as possible of what was going to happen, yet very few of his contemporaries believed him, and only today, more than 70 years after his death, Many of these visions and his interpretations are beginning to fall in place like pieces in a jigsaw puzzle, I would have to agree. On the rubbish dump of Namibia is the next heading, with about nine minutes left. Nicholas Van Rensburg foresaw enormous moral decay coming, first in Namibia, then in South Africa, and then the present, and that the present struggle and division among Afrikaners would go hand in hand with this decay. Yeah, the division, uh, be, um, even among Afrikaners. Yeah, again, here I have to stress, as Pastor Martins has been telling us all along, that the Boer people must estrange themselves from the Cape Dutch Afrikaner once 
and for all. You cannot make compromises with the enemy, no matter how much they pretend to be your friend. Now is the time you must sever connections. The Boer people must absolutely sever their connections to the Cape Dutch Afrikaner, who are descendants of the Jews of the Cape Dutch, of the uh, uh, Dutch West, Dutch East Indies Corporation. Let's continue. In in German West, a white hobbled horse walked across the rubbish dump. All norms of decency and moral standards would deteriorate when the whites, the white horse, would be restricted and pushed aside by the government of the day. The horse is hobbled. And then it, the horse, is let loose. And a saddled, piebald horse stands directly before me. Uh, Piebald, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, whites will emigrate from Namibia at the same time a racially mixed government, oh, the piebald horse, okay, it must be uh, black and white, takes over the reins here in South Africa. The Afrikaner also faces bloodshed and violence. The piebald stands directly before him and is saddled. Redistribution of land which traditionally belonged to the Boer nation does not only become a matter of dispute, but we also enter an era of total moral collapse. Quote, a large black and white horse stands beside me on the same terrain which I saw regretting, or saw, saw read, that is uh, referencing, getting our own republic. In other words, the multicolored horse also wants to pocket that terrain for himself. Yeah, well, the ANC uh, was put into power by the Cape Dutch Afrikaner. It's a combination of white and black with obviously the Freemasons of the Cape Dutch calling the shots. And and this piebald horse of blacks and Cape Dutch Afrikaners is what the real enemy of the Boer people is, okay? And, of course, they're international financiers. Then I see two white stones grinding against each other. There is great friction and dissension among the whites. The stone in the east, free state, turns into the other to become one. The whites will unite and stand together again. Okay, Uh, I can't see this being too far off. After this, he saw a plow going through the rubbish dump. There is no more censorship, pornography, and other evils against which the nation used to guard are now shamelessly being plowed open. In a vision he saw on the 26th February 1922, his compatriots were are warned to live chastely. The world is clean, but suddenly turns and then it is full of sheep droppings. I then heard a clear voice saying to me, gird up your loins and let your light shine, unquote. Yeah, we have to stand in the breach and proclaim righteousness despite the fact that virtually the entire planet has gone degenerate. We are the light unto the nations, folks, and we have to maintain that light. We cannot, we are the city on the hill. Despite everything, the world still looks to us, that is, the Israel people, for guidance. And only those of us who maintain our righteous perspective can possibly survive this, folks. Otherwise, you're going to get caught up in the uh, uh, the whirlwind, the maelstrom, 
and you might get sucked into the maelstrom as it sinks into the ocean, folks. Times are getting serious. Van Rensburg saw a large broom sweep away all the filth of moral decay from the earth. Wow! 11th March 1923. One day he explained to Boy Musman exactly what that broom was when Musman wanted to know what the enemies were going to flee from when trouble started in the country. The seer replied it would be the specter of terror which God would create in their hearts and added that God was going to punish them for the thousands of lives they had taken and literally turned the country into a desert. Okay, well, this reminds me of Blood River, when the uh, the few Boer people who had their uh, circle, uh, they circled the wagons and fought off the Zulu. The Zulu were scared off by visions of horsemen on white horses attacking them. <laughs> they were so terrified, they skedaddled back to the other side of the river. That's tall. That's talking about divine help, is it not? And folks, we are going to need divine help. So it's incumbent upon us, the true Israel people, the remnant, to maintain our righteous perspective, not be afraid of what's coming and what's already here, and not shrink before the enemy. Because if you maintain your righteousness, Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you obey his laws, he will protect him, you. He will protect us if we obey his laws. But if you are a secret sinner and are you know, making compromises with the enemy on the side or in secret, uh, investing in the stock market, that's gambling, folks. You're, you trust your money with Jews? Really? <laughs> right? Come out of Babylon. That's the modern version of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Come out of Babylon. Don't do business with the Jew. Don't do business with their corporations, etc., etc. One more sentence here. Then Van Rensburg referred to him, Isaiah 14, quote, The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger, is persecuted and none hinders. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that made the world as a wilderness, that destroyed the cities? Thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name, and the remnant, and son, and nephew, saith Yahweh, I will sweep it with the besom, besom, or the broom, of destruction. And, of course, that little guy is Rothschild, folks. He's just a little guy, maybe five foot three. And the world will be astonished when they see that the ruler of this planet is just this little short guy <laughs> who's pulling the strings behind the scenes like the Wizard of Oz, Right? Like the Wizard of Oz. Get ready, folks. It's coming. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Thanks for listening. See you next time, hopefully, with a good connection with Pastor Martins. Bye-bye. 